I'd like to welcome you again today to Central Park Neighborhood Church for our Wednesday evening class. We've been looking at the subject of the Holy Spirit, and tonight we would like to take in and consider more about the Holy Spirit, and this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you relate to Christ, you relate to him when you read the Bible, you relate to him as a man, not only God, but as a man, because we see him becoming tired, we see him eating, we see him coming with a physical human body. And, uh, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, we look on the day of Pentecost, we see a rushing mighty wind, and then we see people filled with the Spirit, and the uh, evidence of that was they were speaking in tongues. But we don't see a body, all we know is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit, something we can't see. So he doesn't have a corporal body or a physical body, but he is a spirit. I like what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, speaking about Jesus. It says, we are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, speaking of Jesus, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. So when it comes to Jesus... You could, he had a body, you could see him, you could touch him, you could feel him, you could uh, totally identify with who he was and what he did. And But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're dealing with a spirit. And so consequently, uh, we want to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, later on, we'll look at other thoughts about the Holy Spirit as he's God. But right now, we want to identify him as a person and it will help us to relate to him. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it tells us that you can fellowship with the Spirit. You can't fellowship with a non-entity. You can only fellowship with someone whom you can identify with, and that entity that you are identifying with can fellowship with you. So there's a participation back and forth. So when we read Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. And then he says this, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy. He talks about fellowship of the Spirit. So when we consider fellowship, the very word fellowship is talking about a partnership. Partnership. So in other words, fellowship involves more than one. So when it comes to the Spirit of God, you are a relating to the to the person of the Holy Spirit and you are in partnership with him there is a there's two of you if it was not a partnership it would be like a sole corporation there would only be one it would just be him but that's not the way uh, that it God has designed and that is not the way that the Spirit of God has come to our lives he's come to fellowship with us so it's a partnership between the two of us not only is it a partnership, it also means to a participation. And when you are a participator, you there is giving and taking. There is one listening while one is speaking. And likewise, if you're speaking, the Holy Spirit is listening to you. And so there is a participation uh, between the two. Right now, uh, I am uh, teaching and I am not in a class setting, but I'm by myself. And so you are listening, 
There's not a participation here as far as give and take because I can't hear you, but you can hear me. And uh, But if we were in the class, we would have room for comments. We would have room for questions. We would have room for others to share scriptures. And so there would be a participation among those who would be gathered together. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when he says we are fellowshipping with him, we are participating with him. We are talking with him. Not only are we talking with him, but there comes a time when we listen to him. We listen to him, okay? It means to communicate. If there is not a two-way uh, participation, it is not communication. It's simply one giving orders or one uh, uh, talking, and uh, the other is not given the opportunity to share really what is on their heart or on their mind and uh, so there is not a giving and taking between the two also fellowship it means a share and so there's a sharing communion 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 together communion is something that's precious it's something that is it is um, partaken of and it brings change. It brings and adds to your life. Because fellowship, the last part of the meaning, it, it's really talking about be including and being part of completeness. So when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it's going to bring a completeness to our lives. A completeness to our lives. And there's nothing like fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like listening and being given instruction by Him or Him simply Opening the Word of God as you read it. You, I, I know myself, I have said at times, I've read this scripture a hundred times, but all of a sudden I see something new, something fresh. Why is that? It's because I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit uh, as the guide and as the opener of the Word of God shares uh, a fresh enlightenment from the Word of God which touches my heart, which touches my life, and he's fellowshipping, and we're participating. We're growing together in our relationship. We're communing together as he's opening the word so that I can understand him. I can understand more about Jesus. I can understand more about my God. That is true fellowship. Fellowship. So we see then that he can be fellowshiped with, and because he can be fellowshiped with, that means we can relate to him as a person. And so I want to give us eight different personal characteristics that reveal the personhood of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, it says this, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And this word mind that we're talking about here, it's a mental inclination or purpose. So when we talk about the mind of the Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit really sharing with us the purpose that God has for us as individuals. He's opening and causing us to understand, causing us to walk in. Amen. The grace that he's given us. Amen. The, the life that he's given us and the fellowship he causes us to grow in that relationship. How does he do that? He does that by sharing uh, his mind and sharing his life with us. And so it is an inclination or it is a purpose. In, 
another way of saying it is like this. It is to have an interest in. The Holy Spirit has an interest in you. I have an interest in him. I want to know him. I want to know about him. I want to know what he wants to do. And I want to not only know what he wants to do, I want him to speak to me, fellowship with me, tell me what I need to do. Because when he tells me what I need to do, it's generally about other people. And the other people are blessed because the Spirit of God is there to minister to them. And he ministers through me to minister to others. Just like he ministers through you to minister to others. How is that? It's because he has a mind, he has a purpose, he has an inclination, and he has a desire and an interest, to, amen, to touch other people's lives. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, so he's talking about here uh, having a mind, the mind of the Spirit. And he's talking about for us to have uh, uh, the mind of the Spirit. It is talking about us to have a spiritual mind. And in that, we're going to find life and we're going to find peace uh, because that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He brings life. He brings peace. He is peace. And we thank God for that. I want to read it out of the Amplified Bible to us. It says, Now uh, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Now notice what it says there. The mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit, here I really like what he says here, the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, uh, both now and forever. So when we have fellowship with the Spirit and we have the mind of the Spirit, that is not just for uh, this earthly walk, but we're going to continually throughout eternity having the mind of the Spirit and continually having uh, life and we will have peace. That's an awesome thought. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. But you're not living in the life of the flesh. You're living in the life of the Spirit. I'll say that again. You are living in the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells, he says, within you. I thank God today that he dwells within us. He comes and he gives us the scripture that says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the living God. He lives within us. When he dwells within us and lives within us, he directs us, and it says he controls us. That's what the, the Amplified says. But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He is not truly a child of God. I'm thankful that uh, I am speaking to you because you are a child of God. And even at this time, if you're not a child of God and you're listening to my voice, it's time to simply ask, uh, 
amen, and come in relationship with Jesus by asking for forgiveness of sin, and what happens? You will come into right relationship with him, your spirit will be made new, and you will be a partaker of life, you will be partaker of peace. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a mind that is, it has a direct purpose. He is not just there just to uh, say anything and everything. No, he has a direct purpose that is going to direct, it's going to feed, it's going to give you what God wants, what God is expecting, what God desires to do. So he, he speaks and he has a mind that you can listen to and be a partaker of. The second thing that I want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit. It says, Dividing to every man severally as he will. And he's talking about the manifestation gifts, the gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the nine different expressions there of the Spirit. That's what they are. The gifts are the expressions of the Spirit. And he divides them uh, severally as he will. In other words, um, uh, his will is if you are in a given situation and uh, you need God to help you, you need the Spirit of God to give you something that is going to enable you to minister to the individual that is before you, you'll find that he can, he can give you, he can impart to you, amen, by the Spirit of God, a grace that will enable you to do what is required. Just for an example, if you're talking to someone about the Lord Jesus and, and you, you're looking at these people and, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you and give you a word of knowledge. He can give you some facts about the individual, facts that only they know. And when you speak the facts that the Holy Spirit gives about their life, they wonder, where did you get that? Where did you get that information? Nobody knows that. Well, it's the Spirit of God that gives the facts. It's because he has a will and he distributes himself and manifests himself through your life to minister to others. And so you can you can count on him to do that very thing for you. He has a will. He has a will. I like what the, the word will means. It simply means a will. You know, sometimes you look in dictionaries and you look in the words and they give you a word like will and then it just says, it's a will. All right? But it's, it's, it's an intention or be willing. All right? To will. I like, let me give you some other different scriptures here. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Reveal him. It involves his will. Every good and perfect gift, James 1.17 says, uh, is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. It was his will in operation that touched your life as an individual, that touched my life as an individual. It was his purpose, his inclination. It was his will that you come into relationship with him. I'm thankful that his will is involved in my life and in your life also. I'll read it out of the Amplified. It says, And it was of his 
own free will that he gave us birth as sons. His own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. So you have been consecrated to him. You're, you are a first fruits unto him. You are there. Why? Because he willed it to be so. He willed it to be so. The Holy Spirit has a will. Has a will. And because of that, you and I are here today, and we are in relationship with God Almighty himself, because the Holy Spirit had a will, and that will reached out and touched our lives and brought us into relationship with the Father. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's not slack concerning his promise. He wants all men to come to know him, and he's willing to do that. He's willing to uh, reveal himself to you. Why? Because he has a will. He's a person. In Acts 16.6, we find that this will is in operation when we are in ministry. We find the apostles uh, are getting ready to go to a particular place to minister. And notice what this scripture says, Acts 16.6. Now, when they had gone through Pygeria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. It was the will of the Holy Spirit saying, no, you're not to go here and you're not to go there to preach. You know, the Holy Spirit knows what is before them. He knows what's behind them. He knew what was going to transpire for them. He knew where they were going if the people were ready for the message. Sometimes people are not ready for the message. Sometimes people uh, need some other things to happen in their life. And the Holy Spirit will bring that to pass and so that they will be open and ready to receive uh, the word that would come to them. Uh, I remember once when uh, we were... Uh, getting ready to go to a village. We were in India, and we had the car packed, and we were had all the people there, and we were getting getting ready to get in the car to drive to this village. It was about a four or five hour drive, and quite some distance out into a small area. And just before we were to get in the car, uh, one of the team members uh, said, "I don't believe uh, we, as Americans, are supposed to go and um, uh, be part of this." And at the same time, the leader of the, of the group, the Indian group that we were going with, he said, he piped up and said the same thing. I don't believe it's the will of God that you go either. And so we stayed behind. We didn't know why. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't know. We just absolutely didn't know. But we tried to be obedient to the mind of the, mind of the Spirit and obey His will. So we stayed behind. Well, as the Indian group progressed they they went on their way and on their way they they were stopped by some rebels who stopped them all of them were armed got them out of the car and began to ask them questions where they were going what they were doing what they were all about and they proceeded to tell the rebels and then the, the leader of the rebel leader group said to them i know who you are we've been to some of your meetings why don't you just get in your car and get out of here there's there's a there's a Bus. We can hear a bus coming. We'll stop that and rob that. You go on. Well, if we'd have had two white Americans there with the rebels that were there, we might have been kidnapped. We might have been shot. The only person that knew that 
was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he did, it was his will that we stay behind. And he shared his mind, and in sharing his mind, we obeyed his will, and it literally saved our lives. Not only did it save our lives, uh, it released the team, and they went on uh, to do the meetings and to minister to the poor. The interesting thing about it was the car had a lot of money in it because they were making distributions to uh, pastors and different uh, needs that were there. But God protected not only the lives, he protected all of the uh, material wealth and the things that went on with it. It was the will of God that we stay behind, and he shared his mind, he shared his will, and we were obedient. The third thing that I want to talk about uh, uh, this evening is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, is that the Holy Spirit has knowledge. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. He has knowledge. I like what Ephesians 1.17 says. Ephesians 1.17 says, For I always pray to the God of our Father, or God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. I'm going to read that again because I really like this. He says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now notice what he says. This is why. That he may grant you what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. So there's a spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit comes as a spirit of wisdom. He comes as the spirit of revelation. Why? To give us insight into the mysteries of the Word of God, into the secrets of the Word of God. The Bible really is a closed book until the Holy Spirit opens the book to us. It, it is a prophetic book. It is a book that is that is divinely inspired. It is a book that requires the Holy Spirit to, to take anointed teachers to open it to us. And the anointing, the, the Holy Spirit, even as we read it, to open our understanding. Why is that? Because he has knowledge, the complete knowledge of the Word of God. And because he has complete knowledge of the Word of God, he can reveal it to us. He can open it to us. And, and he can cause us to understand. And if there's anything I, I have a desire, and that desire is very simply that I can grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Because in growing in the knowledge of the Word of God, I grow in the knowledge of Him. I know what He thinks. I know how He acts. I know what He expects. I know how to live with Him. I know how to live for Him. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit has knowledge, and he takes that knowledge, and he shares it with us. You know, the Holy Spirit, he, he wants to be intimate. He, he desires to share uh, the, the deep things of God. He desires to share who God is. He wants us to know him. Uh, Paul cries out, you know, that I might know him. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, to know him. Uh, Philippians 1.9 says, And this I pray...
And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its full, fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. Uh, you're going to find that the love of God, we talk about the love of God, and we find that he, he texts the love of God. How do we get this love of God? How do we grow in the knowledge of God? How do we grow in these things? Well, here's an interesting scripture in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God has been, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which he has given us. The Holy Spirit is the one that actually pours the love of God into us. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually pours into us uh, the knowledge of, the, of God. He brings understanding. He illuminates. He, he leads and he guides us. Uh, he is the Spirit of God who is a person. And we need to recognize that. And we need to relate to him just as if he is a person. You know, you might think, well, man, I, I, I'm, when I'm talking to him, just like I'm talking to you, there's nobody else in this room. I'm speaking to a camera, but I know that I'm speaking to others because others are listening. And uh, it's the same way with the Spirit of God. Seemingly, you're all alone, but he's there. He's listening to you all the time. He hears your very heartbeat. He knows the thoughts of your mind. He knows how many hair you have on your head. Uh, he's very intimately involved with you. And because of that, he can. He has the knowledge of you, and he has the knowledge of the word, and he was openly shares it with us as we have a relationship with him. And it's just like the love of God. He he has love. He has emotion. He has strong desires and compassion. And um, how he deposits that, how he works that in our life, it's just like he says here: the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Who and how and why by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does that. I'll read that again. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us, for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. He's, been, he's given us the Holy Spirit. That person lives inside of us, and he has the ability, uh, because he is God, and he, the person of the Holy Spirit, he can pour out and he can enlarge the love of God in our hearts. Have you ever met someone you didn't care for? Have you ever met someone that graded you the wrong way? Or have you ever met someone you just couldn't quite get along with? Well, you know what you need to do? You need to say, Holy Spirit, pour more love into my heart for that person. And you know what he'll do? He will pour it into your heart. He will give you a love for that person. He will give you a love for the unlovely. How can he do that? It's because he's a person. He's God. And he has that ability to pour into you. He has the knowledge of the person and he knows how to give you what you need in expressing that love to them so that it ministers to their life instead of being grating to you and you being grating to them. So that gives us hope, doesn't it? That gives us hope. Person of the Holy Spirit. He's awesome. He's just awesome. So in the fact that he has love, it means that he has emotions. Emotions. Feelings. Romans 15.30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers for God to God for me. 
Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And that, that love, we're talking about the agape love. Talking about the affection, okay? And I, you watch a, a child with a pet that they very much become attached to. I, I know a lot of people who have cats, and they're very attached to their cat. Uh, you see people all the time driving down the road with a little dog and he's sitting right in in the lap of the driver he's looking out the window and uh, he he's very little but he thinks he he can drive the truck he thinks he owns the truck and he thinks he can tell the truck where to go that's how much he thinks he's in charge why is that there's because there is an attachment there is a love between that animal and the owner and when there is that love that is there uh, many things can take place. I know people, uh, they're single people, and maybe they've had a, a pet they've had for many years, and the pet dies. You know, the person goes through a grief. Why is that? Because there is a loss, because there is something that was a love, and it was lost. There's emotion that's attached to these kinds of things. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he, he can shed the love of God in our heart to, and he is not uh, emotionless. He, he has emotion. He has things uh, as a person does. He feels. The Bible says grieve, not the Holy Spirit. In, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 29, how do we grieve him? By foolish talk and talk that hurts people. That grieves the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It makes him feel sad. He feels sad when we don't speak words that minister grace to one another. And the word grace is talking about uh, bringing and enlarging the person and helping the person and encouraging the person. And so consequently, you'll find that because we do that sometimes, it grieves him. It makes him feel sad. And so the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, he, he has the love of God. He gives the love of God. And the love of God is very strong. And when I think about the love of God, and for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when I think about Jesus walking on this planet for the time frame that he did, uh, for a few short years, and then in ministry for even a shorter time, and then going to the cross, that horrible thing that he did, uh, offering his body, offering uh, uh, his life for a sacrifice for our sins. That was the love of God. The love of God is giving. The love of God uh, is compassionate. The love of God, uh, amen, reaches out to us. Uh, and so when the Holy Spirit then, we see him as a person and he's involved with the love of God. He's involved and he has love and we see that he can be sad. Uh, he is a person who feels. He feels. So when you are going through things and you're going through difficult things and you're communicating with him, you're fellowshipping with him, he's sharing his mind and his heart with you and you're sharing your mind and his heart with them, there is comfort that can come from the Holy Spirit. There is things that he can do in giving you peace, things that he can do to touch your joy and touch your life. Why? It's because uh, the Holy Spirit has feelings. He's a person. You can relate to him like that. He can relate to you. Amen. Praise God. So we find then that he has love and he 
He can share those things with us. I like what uh, Ephesians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit. Here it goes and he lists a whole bunch of things. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. Love. Love is expressed in many ways. Joy. Uh, I like it when you start taking filming, uh, taking pictures of children. It's almost invariably the kids just start jumping up and down. And they start smiling and they start laughing and they start carrying on. Why? You know, their their, their pictures are being taken and they just experience joy. Uh, it, it's fun to watch. Well, why is that? It's, it's, it's an emotion. It's an excitement. It's something that stirs. Not only uh, do we find that he has love and joy, but he has peace. Peace, that tranquil state. Uh, peace means to join. When I have the peace of God, uh, I'm joined to God. What a, what a calm, what a delight, what an awesome feeling having and walking in the peace of God, walking in the peace that the Spirit of God can give me. In the midst of the storm, the Spirit of God can give you his mind and let you know, you know, you're all right, and give you a word from the Scripture and say, yep, I'm in the middle of the storm. And you know what's in the middle of the storm with me? Peace is there. Joy is there. The love of God is there righteousness is there so the spirit of god he can feel he's a person so when you are expressing yourself to him he feels you he understands you he knows you and so don't be afraid you know sometimes you 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 you're sad sometimes you can even be angry you can you can talk and oh my goodness you say all kinds of things and you're not you know you have lots of questions and lots of things going on well the bible says let us come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace that we may find help in the time of need. Boldly we can come because of the blood of Christ. Boldly speaking and uh, saying how we feel and, and what is going on. And I think the Psalms, it talks about, oh, that I was a bird and I could just fly away and, and leave this. And, <laughs> but he says, where can I go? Because wherever I go, your spirit is there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. And so you can express yourself. You don't have to worry about it. He knows what you feel. He knows how you feel. And he has feelings. And so we can be touched by him and know that he can comfort us and he can love us. The next point I want to talk about is the fact that the Holy Spirit prays. He intercedes or prays for the saints. That's an awesome thought. You know, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. When I think of all the Christians and all the people that are on this planet, and he's praying for each and every one of us, that's a God move. Only God can do something like that. Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, here it is, here's the enabling of the Spirit, itself maketh intercession for us, groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints. How does he make intercession to the saints? According to the will of God. So when the Spirit of God is praying through our lives, when we are praying in our heavenly language, listen, we are praying according to the will of God. Our understanding may be unfruitful. There's time to pray in the Spirit with your understanding unfruitful. There's a time to pray with your Spirit being fruitful. Pray in your native tongue. But the Spirit is there, 
amen, to t help us in our infirmities. He knows what we need to pray. There's times, I don't know about you, but I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm not sure what I should pray. Well, if that is the time when I need to pray in my heavenly language, because in praying in my heavenly language, what am I doing? I'm praying according to the will of God, and the Holy Spirit is there, and he is praying, amen, and he is enabling me, amen. So when we look at this this whole concept of intercession, you know, there there are many, many parts to this intercession. It's talking about conferring with, conferring with. It's talking about entreating in favor or against. And so, in other words, there's times when you need the favor of God. Well, when you're, you're being prayed for, interceded for, you are being moved into a place of favor. You're being moved. You may not sense it. You may not know it. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing for you. Then it says not only in favor, but against. Sometimes we may be trying to make a decision and go one direction, and we find resistance to that. Sometimes that resistance, you know, is not the devil, but it is the Holy Spirit that is bringing resistance to get you to turn and to go another way, okay? And so when we we talk about this intercession, it's talking about to light upon. So in other words, you know, you could be just uh, moving along and... and uh, uh, seemingly mind your own business, but it's like the Holy Spirit just comes, boom, marches right in step with you and happens upon you. And not only does he do that, then things begin to take place because he's coming, he's walking with you, he's directing you, he's leading you, he's guiding you, he's bringing change, he's encouraging you. So realize that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is, I want to say it this way, he's a person of prayer. He's a person of prayer. And his prayers are always according to the will of God. Always according to the will of God. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. He doesn't. He has no vocal cords. Today, as I talk to you, there's sound that's coming across my vocal cords. Uh, I'm using my tongue to form words. I'm using my lips so that I can speak. And I trust that what I'm saying, you can understand. It's... It's a vibration that's reaching your ear, that's going to your brain, and you're understanding what I'm saying. Well, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have vocal cords. He doesn't have a tongue. He doesn't have lips that he speaks with. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Uh, let me give you a couple more scriptures here about speaking. Ezekiel, Ezekiel eleven five, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that have come into your mind, every one of them. So the Spirit of God comes upon the prophet. He falls upon him, and he tells him to speak. Well, it's a voice that's coming to the prophet. So the Holy Spirit has a voice. It's, it is him that speaks in the book of Revelation. When you read chapters 2 and chapter 3, and to the messages of the church, He's constantly saying and admonishing the churches, if any man will hear, let him hear what the Spirit speaks. So even though he has, doesn't have lips, even though he has no vocal cords, this person of the Holy Spirit, he speaks. He speaks. Revelations 2.7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There it is. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. 
in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, for our day. Now notice what it says to us. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Speaketh expressly. He's, in other words, he's laying it forth and he's relating, to, uh, relating in words in a systematic way. It isn't haphazardly. No, he's, he's very pointedly, systematically speaking words. And this is what he's saying. The Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, doing what? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. What are people doing? They're listening to seducing spirits. They're listening to doctrines that lead them astray. They're not listening to the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit will not lead you astray. The voice of the Spirit will lead, always lead you back to the Word of God and keep you and guide you in the way that you should go. So in our, in our generation, in our time, this scripture is so a, 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 appropriate for us. The Spirit speaks expressly in the latter times. We're in the latter times. Some shall depart. I don't want to depart. I want to hear the voice of the Spirit. I want to hear the person of the Spirit speak to me, speak to my mind, speak to my life, bring to my mind the Word of God, the things that Jesus has said, bring to my remembrance what He has said, so that I can walk in the truth, and I can do the truth, and I can follow the Lord Jesus Christ. John sixteen thirteen. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, what's He going to do? He will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into all truth, you see. He's a guide, for he will, now notice what it says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit can speak to us uh, uh, many different ways. We'll have a lesson on hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in the time to come. But right now, we can understand that he has a voice, the interesting thing, not only does he have a voice, he has no physical ears, yet he can hear. Yet he can hear. Albeit when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He doesn't speak to it about his own. Whatever he hears, he speaks. So he has ears to hear. If he has ears to hear what the Father is speaking, he has ears to hear what you are speaking. You can't see his ears, but he has them. He has them. What's interesting to me, he hears the, the heartbeat of every person on the planet. He knows the thoughts of all mankind. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what you're thinking right this very moment uh, because he has ears. And not only has ears, but he can speak. And so today, as we finish up this lesson about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person. Relate to him as a person. Relate to him as a person. He feels, he has knowledge. He has love. He has a mind. We can grieve him. We can make him happy. We can talk to him about who we are, what we are. We can talk to him about our problems. He has knowledge. He can share that knowledge. He can share the word. He can share the wisdom of God with us. And he can be a mighty, mighty help in our lives. So relate to him as a person. We'll look at him as being God, but right now we're looking at him as a person. So today, if you don't have a relationship with him, I say once again, simply ask him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins. You'll find that, that he'll come in and he'll birth that relationship with you. And you will begin to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. The Lord bless you.